Welcome to The Dad Presents. Make sure you're following the show wherever you're listening. And wherever you are out in the world, spread that love and liberty. All right, you guys, today we are once again joined by transhumanist, libertarian, ex-presidential candidate, and author of one of the most interesting fictional works I've read in a very long time, The Transhumanist Wager. Uh, we got Mr. Zoltan Istvan. How you doing, Zolt? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk to you um, because it's been, I don't know, if it's two, three years. We haven't talked to you since before COVID and, and everything has changed. So our audience specifically has changed. Uh, the, the makeup of our audience, the demographics have completely changed. I'm guessing most of the people who were watching before when you were on aren't watching now. We got a whole new audience. And I don't think these people really know what transhumanism is. So I'm hoping you can give us like a hundred foot view of what being transhumanist means. Sure. Well, transhumanism is just uh, using tech, science and technology to modify the human being. Um, it literally means beyond human. So, uh, you know, uh, exoskeleton suits, uh, you might even say driverless cars, uh, brain implants for sure, things like that. So it's, uh, you know, it's radical technology. I like to think of it as the top 10% of the most radical technology that's out there right now. Okay. So we're talking Apply, about... Applied, yeah, and applied to the human being, applied to the human experience, however it is that we can use it. Okay. So technology and how it improves our lives. So for example, for me personally, because you hear transhumanism and you think about cyborgs walking around and maybe, that, maybe that's in the future. But like for me... In 2011, I had an artificial disc put in my neck because I had an injury and I wanted to improve my quality of life. Um, could that be considered a form of transhumanism? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely anything medical is, uh, and especially something like a disc put in your neck, which is quite serious. Um, uh, you know, but the question is, are dentures transhumanist? And certainly from a, a real theoretical point of view, they, they certainly are. But the real question is, uh, is, you know, it, when I like to think of transhumanism, or when most people think of it, they think of terms of like brain implants or, yeah. you know, somebody who loses their arm on the battlefield and we give them a robotic arm and they can now play the piano. But certainly I would consider uh, the disc in your neck as part of the transhuman environment. Okay. All right. Good. So, so we've established that. So here, here's the thing. I've, my, my, my opinions on this stuff have kind of changed with COVID and the way government has just come into every aspect of our lives and tried to control us. Um, how do you feel now about things like these, uh, like you said, brain chips and things that will allow government to track our every move, uh, CBDCs that will allow government to control our money and where we spend it? Um, how do you feel about the transhumanist future when all of these things will likely fall into government's hands? Yeah, well, as you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a small government guy. Uh, uh, I'm, you know, uh, most people would say I'm not a libertarian, but I certainly consider myself a left-leaning libertarian, no matter what anyone says. Uh, so I, I have become worried by what happened through COVID. I mean, I didn't thought the government overstepped some bounds. I don't think we should have been forcing people to do things, uh, or at least certainly not vaccines. I, I mean, maybe I would have supported... So, you know, mandates for masks for a little bit, just a little bit, just to protect old people, because it's it's actually a kind of a harmless endeavor, sort of similar to a seatbelt. But I, I think forcing people to be vac vaccinated was uh, a bridge too far for me. And especially given the questionable nature of how quick those vaccines were put through the system. Though that said, I, I did get vaccinated and all these other things. But overall, I saw, you know, uh, the government stretching to uh, take over people's minds and lives they, as they always do. 
And, uh, you know, like 9-11, they just gained an extra 10 yards on the football field. And that's really what's happening. I don't like that. And I, I still would say, in fact, more than ever, that if you're a young person looking to get a job, cybersecurity is the field to go into because we're going to need people that are able to write code that actually protect citizens from government in getting too involved in their privacy issues. That said, let me just say that the whole COVID thing did spur a lot of transhumanist technology. I didn't think it was going to happen at first, but they did, um, you know, science and technology stepped up to the plate and was able to deal with, uh, uh, you know, a, a large worldwide plague, essentially. And that did give transhumanists some, you know, credibility, even if it was to some extent mustered by the, the government. Yes. Um, dealing with the plague, a lot of people might argue with how effectively they dealt with it or whether or not maybe it was even them who caused it. So we don't need to get into all that, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't no, say no, a consensus on that. And I'm happy to engage in conspiracy theory. Look, I, I would not be surprised if this was a, a lab created event. Uh, I know that it's, it's a take. And I do think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the government you know, in an internal circle said, hey, we're going to take advantage of this crisis and grow our power, which is exactly what they did. I mean, they do this every time. And uh, so, you know, it's up to citizens to kind of fight back. And I think there have fought back. The problem is that the division in the country has gotten so bad that the fighting in itself, uh, you know, it, it, it's not like people versus the government. Now it's like people versus people. And, and that's one of the big, you know, problems that I see of the real world is that it, if it was just us versus the government, I think it would be a wonderful battle. But unfortunately, the divisions across the country because of COVID have just shown us, uh, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, a couple steps away from civil war, I suppose, in my opinion. So Yeah, well, yeah, I've been talking about that for about three years now. And three years ago, people laughed at that and thought it was ridiculous. And now I think the majority of people can feel that we are close. It, it does feel like it's people against people. But to me, it feels like it's government and the elites who have intentionally pitted people against people because it takes our eyes off of what they're doing. Now, you said you don't agree with forcing people to take the vaccine. Um, I'm with you on that. Our audience is with you. But from a transhumanist perspective, let's say we invent um, a, let's say, okay, driverless cars, for example, let's say driverless cars come out and they are 100% safe and effective, unlike what they told us about the vaccine. The driverless cars are actually 100% safe and effective. Would you be pro forcing these upon society and, and getting rid of gasoline cars and, self, and, and manual driving cars if it was for the greater good of all of society? No, no. I, I don't think when you talk about the greater good of society, I just don't think you should be mandating um, that. And even in the past, maybe I have suggested some things like one of the more controversial things I had suggested was that everybody uh, donate 1% of their net worth so that we can create, we can literally wipe out all disease on the planet. And while that's a, a wonderful kind of policy to think about, it, it is a mandate. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure I would really be willing to do that. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of throwing out some of these ideas that do seem authoritarian. But in the real world, I think you have to stay away from authoritarianism as much as possible because of what we call the slippery slope effect. You just don't know where it leads. Like it often leads to very bad things, to fascism, communism, and things like that. So whatever freedoms you have, you have to try to preserve as much as possible. 
Yes. Uh, it, it seems then that both of us have had our opinions evolved a little bit since the beginning of this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like get you or anything. I'm, I'm genuinely interested in where you're coming from with these things because my ideas have changed. I still love, I mean, I still love the idea of technology improving our lives. I mean, you can't argue with how much our lives have become more convenient, how much longer we're living. Um, so, and, and you can't stop technology from improving anyway. That's, it just doesn't happen that way. But at the same time, I now have concerns I did not previously have about how that technology invades our privacy and takes away our freedoms. Now, let me, let me ask you something about that. I know I'm definitely going to get hit up on from other, uh, from people who watch this show. Uh, you were involved with the world economic forum in some capacity. Um, I know you gave speeches. How do you feel about that? Um, how do you feel about the World Economic Forum and what they are doing at this point? <laughs> well, so I, I gave a speech at one of their major events, um, and, uh, uh, and and it was on a panel and you know participating in advising and whatnot uh, in, in that capacity only. Um, haven't been actually formally a part of the World Economic Forum. That said, I mean, I you know certainly would say that uh, I have uh, been uh, with them on some things. Uh, you know, I mean. Yes, they want you to eat insects, and yes, they want you to. Uh, it's okay to have no possessions, and I I see where the liberal movement is moving the world, and um, I'm worried about it. <laughs> I think it's a little bit ridiculous, to be honest. I think private property is the uh, the foundation of all human existence, yes. and it seems to me that the World Economic Forum, as well as uh, liberal tendencies are trying to undermine that entirely. At the same time, I just want to point out, you know, I'm a non-religious person and the right is, you know, as fanatical as they can be with, oh, we must clamp down an abortion. We must, uh, you know, it's all through Don Jesus, Trump, you know, this and that. So I'm not in no way on that side either. I want to be very clear. I'm just a guy who likes science and technology. I think it needs to be implemented in our lives. Going back to our earlier, earlier question, like if you choose not to implement science and technology in your lives, that's your choice but you will be left behind. And a portion of the growing inequality in this country, which is skyrocketing, is because people refuse to do things. I went through COVID. I got it. And I can tell you that was one of the gnarliest diseases I've ever had. And uh, I'm glad that I had the vaccinations, even if they're not necessarily proven to work, even if they're not, maybe they do show some signs of causing heart issues in people. I'm really glad I had it when I was sick in bed because I wasn't sure I was gonna, I was gonna have to go to the hospital and all these other things. So for me, you know, the idea to embrace these science, the science and technology is something that's been a wonderful thing. And I will continue to do so. I just think the idea of mandating it is a, is a very slippery slope and governments should stay away from it. But when they stay away from it, people get left behind. That's one of the reasons we have 15% of, uh, you know, kids in America that go to bed hungry at night. So there, there is a double-edged sword there between trying to get people to do things and, uh, and, and just saying, you know, you have the freedom to do it yourself. Uh, inequality grows when people have too much freedom. That's, that's kind of a fact. Yeah, I, I agree with some of that. Um, on, on the vaccine, I, I'm, you're, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I've had so many doctors on this show but talking I, I'm about the vaccine. To, I'm, married so, to, I'm married to a surgeon, so let me just say that. That's true. You are. You are. So let's let's not debate the vaccine because I we're not going to line up there. So <laughs> we, I've gone there a, a million times. Um, also, I'm tired of getting banned. So let's just stay away from that one. <laughs> Technology does... It does, it, it vastly improves our lives, no doubt. And it's taken more people out of poverty across the world, no doubt. It's, 
It's lengthened our lives, no doubt. It's done all of those things. It's amazing. You cannot stop it. You are best to embrace it most of the time. The wealth gap, I would say, isn't necessarily caused because some people don't embrace technology. I think it's caused, caused by government um, robbing the, the middle class and the poor and giving it to the rich. That's my take on it. Um, we, we, you talked before about um, um, possibly COVID was created in a lab. We don't know if it was or not. All right. I suspect it was. We do know that there's scientists, there's, there's diseases like smallpox that we could have wiped out that we now keep in like storage facilities in places like Pennsylvania under the control of Merck. Um, in 2014, small vials of smallpox were found in a lab in Atlanta. Uh, we have these diseases like sitting in the vaults all over the world. Now, I understand we want to stay ahead of the curve to protect society. I understand the need for science and exploration and technological advancements. But has mad Scientology kind of are, are we getting out of our skis a little bit and putting people at risk with these things? Well, first off, we're always going to be putting people at risk. And I think that's one of the, the big problems about society is when they think nothing's risk or everybody's equal and this and that. I mean, Jesus Christ, we're all 100 percent. Well, not 100 percent, but we're all quite different. Our brains are quite different. Our DNA is quite different. Nothing ever works 100 percent. So we look for kind of trying to do the greater good. And we're hoping that that greater good isn't something that interferes too much with people's freedoms, um, which people have worked very hard for through the American war and all these other things, and even recent wars, to try to preserve their freedom. So I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword between how you go about implementing science and technology and society and asking people to embrace it versus, you know, uh, telling them they must embrace it. I do like letting the free market decide. Like, for example, I, I despise social media. Uh, I think it's a disease at this point. But um, it, it is kind of necessary for your career if you're going to be a participant in this public world or in technology. And therefore, if you get a new job as like some PR person at some big company, you got to be involved in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's good or bad, that's, that's not the question. And, and work is not always good or bad. In fact, most people, a lot of people hate work because it's not the same thing as sitting on a beach playing guitar in Bahamas. But I think the point of the story is that you have to embrace things sometimes that you dislike for a greater good. And hopefully that doesn't impede somehow on your freedoms. Um, you know, the, I just think that I would take a more libertarian approach, though, when it comes to these things and, and maybe may, a better PR approach saying that, you know, like I think the government made a disaster of the vaccine, the government made a disaster of COVID. They, they set it up as us versus them when it wasn't like that. There's been actually plenty of vaccines in the past that have been totally effective. We can see how effective they've been. And um, if you take them, you join, I have two children and I'm so glad my children took them so they don't have to deal with typhoid. And we've traveled all over where people actually still get this kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I, but I think the government set it up left versus right, just to politicize everything and cause further division. And that might be a kind of a, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that that's actually part of the, the plan. I mean, when you have a, a woman who's um, uh, or a man who's swimming in women's races and it's clearly that there's an advantage as it has happened about six months ago, then you're purposely, I think, causing division through society when most people would say, well, you know, I, I don't care. I, I don't care what anyone does. I completely support transgender people, for example. But uh, I do understand that I have two daughters and if they're women and they're in swim races, it should probably try to keep the field competitive without introducing all these elements. Whereas I think a lot of 
liberals may have uh, gone, uh, you know, one bridge too far in this. And don't get me wrong, it's possible that I might run for president again, and maybe this time I'll run as a Democrat. I just think there are, uh, the the, the liberal movement, the progressive side has gone so far, maybe just like the alt-right so far, that it's left a lot of us in the middle wondering what the hell has happened to the world and fighting, uh, you know, uh, these conflicts that really shouldn't exist. We should be fighting the bigger things, like how can we overcome a global plague that, for better or worse, has happened to the planet. Obviously, it's for worse, but you know, uh, whether it was created in the lab or not, how can we uh, do it so that the minimum amount of people die? Yes, I, I do agree with all of that. Like the the vaccine, COVID should not have been political at all. It's healthcare. Um, and it was politicized. And I think it's politicized because people in power will politicize anything they need to in order to get more power or retain power. That's kind of the, the, the natural thing of people who are driven towards power. And it was very easy to make this a political thing because Trump took one side and so many people hate him so voraciously that if you attach an opinion to Trump, that's going to become insanely political. That's what happened there. And yeah, you're right. It, it, it was wrong to do, had negative consequences on society, and we're at each other's throats as a result. Um, now, you, all, you also talked about um, you might run again. That's cool. I, 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 I love when we, the more voices we get in, in there, the better. Uh, you ran before as a libertarian. You're saying this time you might run as a Democrat, but you still consider yourself to be libertarian. Uh, I consider myself to be libertarian, more of the small L than the big L. But is, can you still, um, as a transhumanist and the idea of having small government, it does seem that technological advances lend themselves to big government or at least more control. Can you still um, merge your, your two feelings on small government and transhumanism? Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I think the choice should be left to people. Just like I said, with the vaccine, just, you know, people don't want to get it. They don't have to get it. Um, at the same time though, I would support, uh, you know, I have supported uh, for a long time. Uh, the people must pay for their interest. We can't have government you know, sponsored insurance, unless it's through some kind of like universal basic income, which is then everybody gets it. It, can, it can't be like one or the other. And the problem is that a lot of people that did get COVID would then be using government systems to overcome it, which would then cost me a lot of tax dollars. And that's a bummer for me because I don't, I hate paying taxes. Uh, I don't mind, you know, paying a little bit, but I mean, right now I'm paying an extraordinary amount. It, it, it absolutely bumps me out. But I do think over the long haul, Paul, we can convince people of the benefits of transhumanism, that there'll be more prosperity, they'll be living longer, they'll uh, they'll have more free time. Automation is actually a wonderful thing. And even in terms of privacy, uh, you know, transhumanism doesn't have to be seen as this anti-privacy movement. It can be seen as something that actually gives us more enjoyability without lessening our privacy. Yes, there's this worry about implants, there's this worry about uh, driverless cars being hacked and things like that. But honestly, we're worried about these things right now. I mean, I could be worried about this... Uh, the podcast we're on being hacked. So we've always dealt with things to worry about. We're going to continue to deal with them. But the reality is having a podcast like this, where you and I see each other face to face, hundreds and thousands of miles away, is something that's been very beneficial for both of us. So I think, um, despite some of the privacy issues. So I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, we can find a middle ground there. And I'd like to push all those transhumanist technologies through society and try to find better methods of uh, either funding them, including some government funding, but really specialize in getting private companies to, to fund these brand new innovations as Silicon Valley has done again and again. And so I think that there's a great road down there. It just has to be done by somebody 
who's not playing, not like Gavin Newsom, but somebody who's playing more to the center and saying, look, we're a country and we're a society. We're not left or right. How can we go down this together so that we have the, the, the most happiness and the greater good? And I think that's possible, but it takes leadership that doesn't want to be divisive. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad. Look, guys, the FBI and NSA, they're tracking you, man. If you're a parent and you use the word liberty or patriot in your bio on Twitter or whatever, or you talk about it on Facebook, guess what? They're spending money to track your web activity. Last year alone, 4 million Americans were tracked. That data recently came out. 4 million Americans were spied on by the FBI, and they're not going after the lefties. So protect yourself and protect your family with a VPN blocker from expressvpn.com slash the dad. There's just no reason to not do this at this point. You get three free months. If you don't like it by the fourth month, you cancel. Cancel by month four. You never pay for it. So try it out. Expressvpn.com slash the dad. Protect yourself. Protect your privacy. Protect your family. Our second sponsor is zstacklife.com slash the dad. Guys, COVID's still here. Still here. People aren't dying from it, but you don't want to get it. I had it. It's no fun. Flu season's coming back around. Get your body right and ready and healthy. Exercise eat right, and get all the vitamins you need for a strong immune system in one dose from Z-Stack Life, which was created by the great Dr. Zelenko, who was one of the first brave doctors to stand up and fight against the COVID regime. Go to zstacklife.com slash dad, get 15% off, get your body right. Let's get back into the show. Yeah, well, I, I agree with all of that, all of that, except the idea that there is someone out there who can fill that role, because I think that anybody who runs for government, they desire power. And if you desire power, you use that power to get more power. And that's what we've seen with government from, you know, America started as the smallest government in world history. It's now the largest. That's just the natural progression because you get in power and you start using your power to deconstruct all the restraints around your power. And you end up where we are now. Um, you mentioned UBI. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, techno technological advances, no doubt they're going to lead to automation that's coming. I don't know if it's it coming in five years, 20 years, whatever it's coming is going to affect my children. Most likely it's going to affect your children. Will we see a whole brand new crop of jobs for people who are no longer doing manual labor or no longer, you know, like let's say it takes over, like plumbing's gone. Electricians are gone. Will we see new jobs or are we destined for a future where we are all dependent on some form of UBI? Well, I think, you know, the question is really a timeline. Over the next 10 or 20 years, uh, clearly AI and the internet will make more jobs. Um, however, there is, a, there is a peak there, sort of like peak oil. At some point, we're gonna say, wait a sec, a robot can come into your house and do plumbing better than a person who makes 300 an hour, except the robot now does it for 25 an hour, yeah. and the companies hiring the robots will do it. And that is already happening, but I don't think it's happened in a point where we're at the peak, uh, you know, like where people's jobs are starting to lessening so much. There's still a huge amount of job creation coming from different fields. There's also this uh, movement towards independent people doing things like Uber and whatnot. So, you know, uh, I, I, so it's gonna take 10, 20 years, but no question, no question at some point in the near future, Automation will take over and many people will be left wondering what the hell to do to actually make money. I am incredibly fearful for my daughters, 
uh, because I, you know, there's just a there's a there's a strong chance there won't be anything for them to do uh, unless they're at like the very top percentile in their class. Mm-hmm. And so I have always supported a universal basic income. You know, my universal basic income. I know your listeners are like, oh, this, this is communism. No, I have actually universal basic income that doesn't increase taxes. It's right, based on about it. sure. It's called the federal land dividend. It's the only universal basic income that doesn't actually in- use taxes to provide it. But basically, America is holding on to uh, you know uh, hundreds of millions of acres, essentially. I think forty million acres alone in California. Western half of the United States, eleven states, is over fifty percent federal land, and the majority of that land is unused land, and it belongs to the people. And a lot of it's, it's you know, eight, only 8% of that land is national parks. So the majority of that land that's out there unused right now in America actually is just being unused. We could monetize that land either by leasing it out to people, maybe even selling it, but I would prefer the leasing out to large companies and letting them develop that land and pay interest and pay a, 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 a dividend to all of us. And I have worked out that if we were to lease up 75% of our empty federal land out, we'd probably be able to create a basic income in the realm of $1,250 a month. Now, that's not much right now. But at the same time, $1,250 a month would probably take the majority of people in poverty above the poverty line, something like 30 or 40%. Uh, so we would barely have anyone in poverty. And at the very least, that would pay everyone's health insurance and provide meals. So we would have a very different society if we were to monetize the federal land that's out there. Again, this is called the federal land dividend. I've been speaking about this for years. It's a libertarian universal basic income. Um, and it doesn't do anything except give you and me back this federal land that we own and actually monetize it so that we can use it. The biggest problem is that the environmentalists are against this because they want to preserve all that land, whereas I care more about the you know, 15 million hungry children going to bed every night uh, in America than uh, protecting the hooted owl. That's just my take on it. Yeah. Well, um, can, can you hear that ringing, by the way? Sorry, guys. Technical glitch. Not working with a super professional rig here. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I like your version of UBI better than the alternative. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like that. And I think, I, I think, sadly, it might be inevitable. We might need this, and that sucks. I don't think it's a, a good way to go. I, I've I've worked in uh, the impoverished communities of LA for 15 years, very closely with these people, and I just see what welfare has done to these people. It's just another form of welfare, but there might not be any way around it. Um, also, with you, you mentioned things like Uber, they're great, they're fantastic. These things are fantastic. My family, we're buying an RV to travel the country. When we're done with it, we're gonna we're gonna use it on RV share, rent it out to other people, and that will cover all of our costs for having bought it. These things are kind of amazing, and it's you know the next generation. But it also goes along with what the the leader of the the World Economic Forum said when he he mentioned, "You will own nothing, and you will like it." It does seem we are headed in that direction. And that is scary because if you own nothing, you are dependent on the people who do own the shit. Um, let's talk about, I wanted to bring up Ray Kur- Kurzweil. He, he predicted we would reach the singularity something by like 2045. I don't, I don't remember Elon Musk. You got this guy working on Neuralink. Um, Neuralink leads to a society where we're just like communicating with our minds it's just it sounds you know like a science fiction movie but we're we're starting to live in a science fiction movie do you believe we will see something resembling the singularity in your lifetime and what does that look like to you 
Yes, absolutely. Within my life, I'm assuming I don't get cancer or peel over. But if I live another 30, 40 years, hopefully, I'm 49 today. Uh, yes, I think we're going to see some kind of technological uh, situation that happens on the horizon that just baffles us. A lot of people probably think it's the second coming or some apocalypse, but it will almost certainly be an AI that is dramatically smarter than us uh, doing something to the world. And hopefully we have figured out ways to either upload ourselves or integrate ourselves into that um, those machines, because there's no question, uh, and I've, I've just, uh, I'm currently doing a master's degree at the University of Oxford. I've just heard Nick Bostrom and all these other people. We did our AI module uh, a few months ago. And um, yeah, I mean, there's no question we're on this path. And there's no question that AI is developing just immensely every single month. So uh, we're going to see something that happens in terms of intelligence that's way beyond our own, assuming governments don't shut it down. The question is, how can we make that beneficial for society and not just beneficial you know, for the, for the scientists playing with these toys? And that's a much larger question. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next 10 years, AI becomes the hot button topic. Yeah. And just your listeners know, the singularity is a point in time when artificial intelligence becomes so smart that the human brain can no longer understand the, its methods, it, it, understand what it's doing, its computational capabilities are going to be thousands and thousands of times ours or thousands and thousands of times our IQ. And there, that's an event horizon that's certainly going to happen. It's just a matter of how many ones and zeros we can put together, whether quantum computing works, it is starting to work, all these other ideas. But it's definitely out there. 2045 might be a bit early. Maybe it's 2055. Uh, maybe it's 2035. We just don't know either uh, because maybe there's an invention that comes out in the next five years that changes the dynamics. But it, this, is, this is inevitable. I mean, barring some kind of uh, world catastrophe event, it, it does seem it is inevitable. And it, it's it's very exciting. It's very exciting in the way that it, you know, technological advances right now. If you look at the advances that were made in the first half of the 1900s versus now the second half of the 1900s and now the, the 2000s. The pace of advances of technology is insanely faster. It's becoming exponential because every advancement builds on all the advancements before it. Now, that's us doing that with our human brain. You have something, you have computers who have the ability to think and do that at a thousand times the speed of us. Who knows what it makes that world look like? We, it, we, we could be facing a society in 2050 or whatever where we're essentially immortal, where the computers have figured out how to keep us alive forever. That's super exciting because I don't want to die, right? So that's exciting. It also presents a whole new realm of, of problems and also helps you understand why people in the world economic forum or why people, why people who are suspicious of people in the world economic forum feel like this whole vaccine thing could be about population control, especially when a guy like Bill Gates said it. So you mentioned you're into conspiracy theories. When we talk about the singularity and the, the problems that does present, and we think about what's gone on in the past couple of years, it gets you thinking, gets you a little concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it's not that I'm actually into conspiracy theories. It's just it here it in my field transhumanism seems like conspiracy theory sure. and uh, and more so than ever because of what happened with covid and the vaccines and things like that and there's no question that it, it, i can even see it, it it's almost amusing how it fits in so perfectly steve bannon the other day just went off on a tirade like on on my work uh for about like 6 7 minutes on his show just saying 
look, these people are trying to really do something and eliminate the human species. The thing is, we're not actually trying to eliminate the human species. We're trying to take the best of humanity and bring it with us with whatever we become. And because we can see on the timeline that AI is going to become so much smarter than us, how can yeah. we merge our brains, our consciousness with that AI? What people forget to see is that there might be something glorious at the end. First off, there might be much more freedom as a, as a, as a kind of integrated uh, person into an AI than there is now. I mean, right now, I know what libertarians want. They want freedom. But honestly, man, you're in a biological body. You stop right. breathing for five seconds, you choke, you get too cold, you, you freak out. Uh, you, you, you worry about having children, or, you know, children don't come out right. You, you worry about finding par partners. There's, there's a million things with the biological body that, that is not about freedom. And we're talking about going to worlds uh, that hopefully offer the transhumanist world much more freedom than we have right now. It's just not might not be political freedom, which I think libertarians are really concerned about. Yes. But we're we're concerned with freedoms over the biological world, the world that literally you walk into a jungle and everything wants to eat you. Right. Yes, that's an interesting way to put it because um what we may be looking at with transhumanism really might just be the next step in human evolution whereas this next step may not be all biological. There may be some integration with uh, technology. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's not natural because who created the technology? Our biological brains and minds. So it could, if you look at it that way, it's just the next stage of evolution. Now, of course, when you, when you start talking about transhumanism and combining um, our biology with technology, Religious people are going to have pause because now they're saying you're playing God. But we're also playing God when we invent um, antibiotics, right? God, gave, you got this infection that you picked up in the natural world and you're taking something that is man-made to kill it. So we, we've been playing God for as long as humans have been around. You hit it on the nail. What libertarians are concerned about, what I am concerned about, is that this technology gets in the hands of a power-hungry monster, and they just use it to make us all slaves again. Yeah, no, no doubt. I totally understand. Let me just say first about God. I know a lot of people think we're playing God, but what people don't realize is we're actually just playing God's cards. Uh, God also, even God exists, gave us this possibility in our brain and these tools around us in the world to make use of it. It's not like quantum computing is outside the God's realm. And this is God's invention to begin with if God exists. So we're just utilizing these inventions and potentially to one day become much closer to God. I think uh, when people talk about reincarnation or the second coming of Jesus, they don't realize that technological resurrection is a part of the transhumanist movement. There are plenty of Christian transhumanists out there who believe that we're going to be using the technology that God gave us to bring back um, and get us closer to Jesus and to God in the first place. And, uh, so, and, and there's a lot of people that believe that, that this is the way to do it. And these are the powers that God gave us in order to, you know, as his children, to, 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 to evolve and to become so that we could get closer to him. So I just want to say that, too. But I, I think ultimately the, the worry about privacy is, is something we just got to take a step back and say, what really is transhumanism? Where's transhumanism today? What are we doing? With it? Okay, classic transhumanism phenomenon. Uh, you know, some buddy, some American soldier who's poor and got a wife at home with two kids on the battlefield in Afghanistan gets his arm blown off. Who put, provides for that person? Well, yeah, the government gives him some money, but who really gets that guy back to being a man again? 
And it's the transhumanist technology. He comes back. We put on a robotic arm. It ties into his neural system. Now the guy can go out with his friends, throw a football, drink a beer. Yeah. And he feels like the person again. And the arm is getting so good. You can't even tell unless you're like two feet away that it's not a real arm. It even has hair on it and things like that. And eventually that arm is going to be so amazing. He's going to be able to take his beer and cool it down with just his hand. Because it's yeah. going to have a built-in cooler or a built-in heater for his coffee. And his kids are going to love them. In fact, they're going to love him more for this unique aspect that he has, sort of like Luke Skywalker in, in Star Wars. So transhumanism shouldn't be seen as this like, oh, oh, it's overtaking humanity. It should be seen as this thing that's going to bring out the best of our humanity and also take us to that next stage of evolution, which means we can do things with our children and our wives and whatever that we mm -hmm. couldn't have done before. So I see it as a very optimistic philosophy, as well as overcoming pain, suffering, disease, and death. It, it's really a wonderful thing. And it's, it's just sad it's got such a bad name, especially in conspiracy theory circles. Well, well, look, people are uncomfortable with change. They always have been. They always will be. That There's, there's something in our DNA and in... Something, something about being afraid of change has helped us to survive uh, for thousands of years when there's threats all around us and animals who can easily kill us, right? So, so being anxious about change has served us well. But uh, when you talk, give the example of the soldier, nobody, nobody would be against something like that. A soldier who worked to protect us all loses his arm. Uh, transhumanism gives him a new arm. It's just that people are uncomfortable with change. And when you're talking about religion, look, you go to church on Sunday, there's, there's lights in that church. So you can see the preacher, right? We're playing God. We, we created light. That is, that is not natural. We created it. It's just takes people a while to become comfortable with change and new technology. People will get there. Again, the fear is all of this technology falling into the hands of people who want to enslave us. And that brings me to something I want to ask you about because I've been into Bitcoin uh, since, I don't know, 2014, I bought my first Bitcoin. Um, I think uh, cryptocurrency is, is the future. It's just a more logical type of money. It's a more advanced money. It's more technologically sound money. However, CBDC, central bank digital currencies, every country on earth is exploring one. There are two countries that have already developed one. How do you feel about Bitcoin? How do you feel about CBDCs? Well, first of all, I think just as a capitalist, I think there's a free market for it all. And I'd like to see everyone do it. And I think it's completely within the government's right to try to create a digital currency um, for their own. Uh, however, that said, I think Bitcoin will always, always serve its own purpose, which is <laughs> that it's outside of government control, or at least right now it is. I mean, who knows? Quantum computing could come a day when things aren't outside and they need to come up with a new type of cryptocurrency. So, I mean, I'm still a big fan of crypto and I'm a big fan of even governments getting involved. And in I think the more, the better in terms of an open marketplace. I think when it becomes challenging, and this is this is a weird you know conundrum, is that is the government going to start trying to control and regulate Bitcoin? But this could be really good for Bitcoin by government sort of throwing in the towel and just saying, okay, fine, let's regulate it. It's kind of like marijuana. Let's finally, let's just regulate it. At least it's free to do so now. And uh, I don't want the government regulating it, but the last thing I want them doing is making it illegal. I would rather have regulation than it be an outlaw. And so maybe that's something that's going to happen in the future. Well, don't be surprised if the crypto you know, currencies around the world start getting more regulation as a method to say, well, governments were not able to control it. 
and but they see it as a wealth store and it's viable and then it might really gain some some popularity but you know the the bigger issue right now i think with cryptocurrency is the environmental impact it's just it's using too much power so new currencies or new methods have to come up that use less power to mine and therefore the world can really start to accept it uh, i think as 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 a as a, a kind of a piece of the whatever agenda it is that's happening in you know this perceived global warming i, I think there is global warming occurring maybe not as fast as other people are saying but i think cryptocurrencies are going to have a bad name until they become simpler and less uh, and more energy efficient to use yeah i i think they're just using that uh global warming thing to to bad mouth and try to outlaw something they don't like i don't really buy into the the, the global warming being caused by by bitcoin it's just it's it's not a significant anyway Let's take it full circle, okay? Because we talked about technology is inevitable. It's coming. Transhumanism is inevitable. It's coming. Whether you like it or not, it's coming, okay? With our people like me, maybe even people like you, our main concern with all of it, again, is government using all of that technology to steal away our freedoms. To me, the solution and the only solution is Bitcoin because Bitcoin takes the power away from government and gives it back to us. A CBDC gives government the power to control your money, control where you buy things, control uh, investment, all of that. Bitcoin takes it away from them. Now it's in our hands. Now we have the power. So now we can have all of that technology and not be concerned about government stealing it all away from us in the next economic collapse. Um, can you see... Can you see that pathway to uh, our concerns with the inevitable transhumanism finding a happy place to meet? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I just want to say though that uh, when I talk about crypto, I don't, I don't only talk about Bitcoin. I talk about all of them across the spectrum because I see it as much more an environment of blockchain than I do as just a single currency. Um, and, and I think it, these kinds of things are probably inevitable and very good for the system, very healthy, because it creates winners and losers. And those that are winners end up being the most viable, useful, expedient ways to manage your finances. And in the end of the day, government is really about finance, <laughs> whether you like it or not. It's yes. really about managing because finance is what makes people happy. You don't have finance. You're not really a country. You have That's finance. You, you, yeah. Yes. So the, the power is in finance. And so you need a method to keep it uh, going. Now, personally, though, I think, you know, Bitcoin's going to have to find a way to exclude the scammers, exclude the, the hackers, exclude all those other things, because that's something that worries somebody like me from wanting to put in, uh, uh, you know, my money into it. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I have a dozen properties, you know, pretty well off now at this point. Um, but I'm afraid still of using Bitcoin to too much capacity because uh, it seems there's nobody else to defend it. So I still would say, wow, when I buy, you know, I own these multiple vineyards now. Uh, when I buy them, it's not on crypto. It's the dollar because I need the police to be able to come and defend the title if something goes wrong. But if Bitcoin can get matures more, governments start regulating it, then there may be more, you know, kind of like balance of powers in it. And it's going to be a better situation for all. But I just do think, um, despite it being around for 10, 12, 15 years now, I think the crypto world needs to go through these ups and downs as well as get more um, acceptance from people uh, like myself. Now, again, I love it. I think it's great. But am I willing to put my 20% uh, of my fortune in it? No, not yet. That's, that's where I 
back down and say, it's just yep. not safe enough for me. Most Whereas like I, that right I, now. And I want to, I want to, because I love the transparency of it. I love the fact that I can fly down to uh, my vineyard in Argentina and just transfer my money there instead of having to worry about all these dollar denominations and transfers and things like that. <clears throat> but the reality is that hasn't come yet. So it still has to, that market has to mature. I think it will though. I mean, it's, it's proven it's, it's proven it's staying power. I have no doubt that this is a survivor and not just a survivor, but something that's going to uh, blockchain and the cryptocurrency world will probably change the world in very similar ways that the internet did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Those things are coming. They're coming. And some of them are already here. People just don't fully understand them yet. Um, all right. So last question, I'll let you go. We're, we're up against time. You had mentioned, I, I was going to ask you, but you'd already mentioned you're considering a, another run. Um, I think that's great. I think that uh, this two-party system, which is quickly becoming a one-party system versus everybody labeled as terrorists, uh, we need more voices in the conversation. We need as many voices as we can have. You bring unique perspective and you also bring a nice kind of bridge between liberals and people who are concerned with uh, personal freedom. Um, so if you ran, like, what, what is your platform? What is, what is your hook? What are you getting people in with? Well, you know... I I've run for all the parties, Libertarian, the Republicans, and uh, Transhumanist Party before. Um, and so I figured I might as well run for the Democrats. There's actually a lot of Republicans that are starting to turn to the Democrats. And the reason that centrist Republicans are finding themselves out of line with the extreme Republicans, the Trump Republicans of the day. And yet they're finding themselves a little bit more now on the edge of the Democrats, which is kind of where I'd be on the furthest, most edge as a left-leaning Libertarian. Uh, I just think the Libertarian Party has not been able to get itself together in a way that can actually win elections. Um, that, that's just my take on that. So it, I, and I tried that and didn't get very far despite running a pretty solid gubernatorial uh, campaign for two years. But I think so. I'd probably try in the Democrats in some capacity. And I'd probably try running for the presidency again, just because I think there's a lot of attention to be had. Transhumanism is becoming a much larger um, topic these days. It's not like you can really avoid it. I mean, People try to, but after COVID, it's really hard to avoid what's happened with science. Science yeah. has become a massive issue, whether you like it or not. It's been politicized and it's up in front. And I think uh, as we get further along, we have start having issues with AI. We start having issues with what happens with medical care. I mean, very soon, I think we're a matter of years away from some diseases being major ones, being eliminated. Cancer is being you know targeted in such a way that a lot, you know, even 10 years ago, uh, a lot of people still are dying from cancer. A lot less people are dying in terms of, you know, different uh, being able to the survivability of it and take that out 10, 20 years where things double and exponentially grow. I, I, I have a feeling like science will really overcome a lot of the, the ailments that we face. And yet that will put huge pressures on our healthcare system. Uh, pharmaceutical companies will have to, you know, decide whether they want to cure people or they just want to make money because that, we're now looking at like the end game for humans through ending disease, uh, you know. But the point of the story is politics and politicians will need to be, will be needed there, not just ones that just talk, talk, talk and, you know, say, oh, we're going to keep the immigrants out. Oh, we're going to let the immigrants in, whatever it is. We need people to say, wait a sec, human beings in our country need to be led. They want good health. They want prosperity. It's more than just paying taxes or not paying taxes or, or vaccine mandates or not. It's actually about a lifestyle and where the country is going. And I think there is an opening there for me. And it may not be in 2024, it might be in 2028. I'm currently doing my graduate degree at the University of Oxford, and I want to finish that before I move forward. One of the reasons I even decided to do a graduate degree is because as I was competing 
in these political races, I felt like I might have been, um, you know, didn't have enough credentials. So hopefully here in a few years, I'm, I'm already halfway through, I will have a better stepping stone, a bigger platform, larger social media to make a real impact. And you know, I'm not saying I'm going to win anytime soon, but hopefully uh, I can at least get more national coverage and national recognition and bring the conversation of science and transhumanism to the forefront. Because I can tell you, there's a day coming when politicians are going to run on the transhumanist agenda or against it. That is, mm-hmm. a, and as Steve Bannon mentioned the other day, that's yeah, coming. It's, I think it's an we're, inevitability. We're already so. there in some capacity. I mean, those things are already in the zeitgeist and the conversation. They're just not using that terminology. And just wait till China does it first. China starts coming out with all these technologies to begin with. And America's sort of caught back because we're so religious and maybe we're a little scared of it. When some other nation like China does it, we're going to have to fight back and fight back quickly. And that's when you're going to start seeing politicians really embrace it, whether it's on the battlefield, whether it's in uh, artificial intelligence or whether it's just in healthcare for human beings and getting rid of disease and making people live longer so they can stay with their kids longer on planet Earth. I mean, these things are coming and they're inevitable. Give it 10, 20, 30 years. The, The future is transhuman no matter how we look at it. It might be. It does seem inevitable. Um, at the very least, you you present some very interesting perspectives. Uh, I thank you for that. I, I I think you and I agree probably on about eighty percent of it. Um, so there's just there's it's just that twenty percent that people are going to really have to think and really have to work and and we might end up in civil war before we get there. I don't know. It, it, this this thing could go any way at this point. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks for sharing your ideas. Where can people, where can they get the, your book, throw out your book? Where can they find out more about you, follow you, all that? Sure, sure. Well, if, if for, for your libertarian fans out there, The Transhumanist Wager, my novel, is, um, is, a, is a libertarian novel, uh, awesome. very much in the status, in, in the kind of same realm as Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. In fact, it's been called a modern day Atlas Shrugged by many people, reviewed all across the world, uh, done, been a bestseller in philosophy. So if your libertarians are out there, get the transhumanist wager. I promise you will not be disappointed in terms of a good uh, fictional read. But of course, I have also now seven, since we've spoken last time, seven nonfiction books out there of all my different essays. Some of them from the New York Times. Some of them are from my column advice and other places. So you can read any of my essay books. Just Google for them. And uh, I have a website out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm still making news all the time. So just Google and uh, you'll, you'll find uh, some of the stuff I'm doing. Of course, I'm across the the media spectrum and social media, despite myself not liking social media, I'm still there. Yes. Awesome. All right, Zoltan. I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Bye-bye.